until men stand up and say this harassment, this abuse, these assaults are wrong, nothing would change. And it's so simple that it's almost laughable. It's one of those things where, hey, man, if you are making anybody uncomfortable, don't do that. It's not that hard. Just if you're making anyone uncomfortable in any way, man, woman, child, stop. You're already over the line. You cannot treat people like they are less than human. You can't. And that's the essence of this whole thing. When you treat people that way, it comes back on you. Welcome to Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias through conversation. I'm Annie Rogaski. As a reminder, and for any new listeners, in this spring season, my episodes are exploring different ways that the man box restricts men from speaking up or acting in the face of gender bias. If you're not familiar with the man box, check out my first episode of this season. I go into quite a bit of detail about it, and it will serve as a nice foundation for the rest of the episodes this season. As a quick reminder, the man box represents the social constraints we put on men to behave in manly ways, like to not show emotion or to be strong or stoic, that make it difficult for even male allies to speak up against gender bias. And that brings us to this week's topic, which is speaking up against gender bias. Gender bias happens on a daily basis in probably every workplace. And yet far too few people speak up in a group when someone says something sexist or harassing. And this is honestly true of both men and women. There are many reasons for this. Some reasons are common across the gender spectrum. Others are more specific to women. And I've learned still others are specific to men. And they have roots in the man box. This is a problem because if we don't speak up more, the gender inequality we experience will not change. In fact, it might even get worse. As Francesca Gino noted in an article about why it's so hard to speak up against a toxic culture, as research tells us, an unfortunate consequence of not taking action is that more harassment is likely to take place later on as the perpetrators know they can get away with their behavior. So this is telling us that if we don't speak up now, it's not just status quo in the future, it's actually worse. Ms. Gino explains some of the reasons that people don't speak out against sexist statements. One reason people don't speak up is the significant risk of doing so. Challenging the status quo threatens people's status and relationships with supervisors and coworkers, research shows. Speaking up can also result in negative performance evaluation, undesirable job assignments, or even termination. Most people are aware of these potential costs. As a result, most stay quiet about bias, injustice, and mistreatment. She continues to a second reason people might not speak up, which is the bystander effect. And she says, when a person is in trouble, others who are present often fail to intervene, whether because they assume other people will or because they think it's not their place to act. The more costly intervening would be, the less likely we are to do so. So these are two pretty standard reasons why people, regardless of gender, would not speak up. It can be a power differential that keeps men and women quiet, that they are more junior and it doesn't feel like their place to speak up or they feel at risk if they do. The bystander effect is particularly devastating because 
you could have complete consensus in a room that a statement was improper and no one will speak up because they all think someone else will. And by the time they realize no one else will, the moment's passed. So these are common reasons one might not speak up, but I was curious about men in particular. They tend to have more power in the room, just given that more men are in leadership positions than women. And it seems to me that people with more power should generally feel free to speak up and should also feel the responsibility to speak up when no one else does. So I dig into this a little bit. David Smith and Brad Johnson, who have literally written a book on male allies, shared some insights into why men in particular may not speak up in an article entitled, Do You See What I See? The Importance of Men as Allies. And they note, why don't other men speak up and stop sexual harassment? Part of the answer is that men aren't always able to recognize sexist behavior in others and in themselves. In some research, both men and women exposed to acts of sexism notice and accurately describe the behavior, yet men are less likely to label it as sexist. Men are even less likely to label a behavior as sexism if it's subtle or superficially benevolent, such as when a man refers to a woman as nice, nurturing, or maternal, thereby undermining her status as a competent, take-charge leader. Men also hold certain biases and stereotypes that may cause them to see a situation differently than women. These observations were really interesting to me and something that I've noticed about well-meaning male allies. Their hearts are in the right place, and they likely would speak up if they realized something happened, but oftentimes they don't even see it. As women, we are so steeped in experiencing bias that we see it without even trying. And I think we often assume men see it too, and then we wonder why they don't speak up. But this article by David Smith and Brad Johnson tells us that there's more education to be done about how bias shows up and that men who really care about being allies should do some research to learn about this so they can identify it. Another alternative might be to invite your friendly female gender guru out to lunch and ask her questions, um, recognizing that she may say no because she's tired of educating men about gender bias, (laughs) but it can't hurt to make the ask. There is a responsibility on all of us to better understand how gender bias shows up so that we can actually take action when we are in positions of power or in a position to make a difference. But beyond just not being aware of how bias might show up, I learned about other reasons men might not speak up, reasons that connect up with the man box. There is a Good Men Project article entitled Men Know Why Men Need to Start Talking About Violence and Sexual Harassment by Lisa Hickey, where she says, Guess where men find out where the problem men are? In locker rooms, and in fraternities, and in strip clubs, and in boardrooms, and on golf courses, in places where women have historically been denied access. As a woman who had spent years in the corporate environment trying to fight sexism any way I could, that is why men didn't want me in any of those places. I often tried to lean in and join business meetings in those places despite being told I shouldn't go. I tried to get into these places because I thought the men I worked with would be discussing business strategy, which was true to a certain extent, but those are also the places where all kinds of secrets are kept. And they are often places where the culture of violence against men is often baked right in, especially men who will tell. 
The men who talk like that in locker rooms or elsewhere are the problem. But it is the man box code of silence which says to everyone else, don't tell. And whatever you do, don't allow women to know what is going on. And that is also a problem. And this, this was really interesting to me to read because I've, I've heard plenty about locker room talk. I've heard plenty of conversations among men um, that might be characterized as locker room talk. But I didn't really appreciate all of that until I started looking into the man box and realizing this social pressure or policing that men do of each other to stay in the man box. That was something I hadn't appreciated before. And I think it's a super powerful and unfortunately negative pressure to give other men a pass. And when good men are giving bad men a pass, we're not making progress towards gender equality. We're not moving forward against gender bias. So I think it's a huge problem, and it's a problem that I suspect a lot of women don't have that kind of insight into, since it sounds like it often happens when we're not present. And even if we did have insight into it, there's not a whole lot we can do about it when it's men policing men. Like We're, we're not going to be heard if we say, stop doing that. Um, so this strikes me as a particularly unique male problem. Um, that requires a male solution. So I looked into some suggestions that men offered to see what we could do, but before I get to those suggestions, I wanted to share another conversation I had with my friend Sam Devins, who came back to the podcast. This time we talked about how the man box constrains men from speaking up. Here's our conversation. So Sam Devins is back again to talk about the man box with me. And uh, this topic actually was triggered for me by a conversation we had a long time ago, where you shared with me that men might not speak up in a group, even if they know something is an improper statement or joke or gender biased statement. And the reason that you told me they wouldn't speak up had to, had to do with the man box. And at that time, I hadn't even heard of the man box. I didn't know what it was. And I was so surprised that men would not speak up even when they knew they should. And I think my, my surprise was partly because I assume men generally have the power. And so why not speak up? If you're in a position of power, you have nothing to lose. But you shared with me that men do have something to lose. And so I wanted to dive into that a little bit with you today and, and hear more about that. Okay. So why wouldn't men speak up in a group if they know something inappropriate was just said about a woman, for example, in that room? Give me an example. I'll give you a couple scenarios. So one is we are in a meeting room. So it's in a work situation. Mm -hmm. And there are... Let's just say there's one woman. Let's go with what what's typical for for the female experience. There's one woman yeah. and nineteen men, 20, one woman, thousand sure. men. Yeah, um, and one guy says something maybe derogatory about women generally. And let's say how derogatory? Um, just moderately. Like just it's clearly it's clearly inappropriate to say. Men in the room hear this obviously, and the woman hears it, and maybe she appears a little uncomfortable. Why wouldn't a man in that room speak up? 
there are a lot of reasons. I think some men aren't aware that it's a problem. Mm -hmm. They just, they don't see it the way women do. The experience is different. Um, but I think many men understand the difference between right and wrong, but someone actually speaking up and saying something is more the exception than the rule. And the reason why men don't speak up, it's the same reason why the woman wouldn't speak up. It's not apples to apples, um, but men know that doing the right thing has consequences. But I would say that, that the reasons are different, that women would not speak up for a lot of reasons as well. But sure. for example, you don't want to be the one always calling out gender issues. And women tend to speak up more about it because it impacts us personally. Right. But there's a, I think, a different feel when the person who is the target speaks up versus someone who's not the target speaking up. So that's, I think, a difference among the genders. Totally. Yeah, totally agree. I think going back to growing up, um, it just becomes part of our psyche not to speak up a lot of times because there are, there are consequences. And oftentimes growing up, the consequences are violence and um, losing your standing in the pecking order or whatever it is or being labeled something that you don't want to be labeled as, getting on someone's radar that you want to avoid. Oftentimes it's a bully or somebody who has power. So we are very aware of the power dynamic growing up and um, you kind of, you transpose all that into the work setting and it's that same triggered response that we have when we hear something that is said that is wrong and we know it's wrong, but we have so many years of weighing the, the options of should I speak up? What do I gain from this? What do I have to lose? And that's what I was meaning when I said the same reason why men aren't speaking up is the same, similar, not the mm -hmm. same, as why women don't speak up. I'm sure women don't speak up because they don't want to be labeled as, I don't know, you, fill Whiny. in the blank. Yeah. yeah. And men don't speak up because they don't want to be on someone's radar that has power. Mm -hmm. We have a lot to lose, as women do. Uh, mortgages, mouths to feed, car payments, all that stuff, promotions, that's all baked in to, to the way men operate. Having said that, there are men that do speak up. I'm wondering if it makes a difference who says, let's just say the bad thing. Um, let's say you have five men in a room and one woman, and it sounds like there's there's a pecking order. Like, are men aware of, is it like, one, two, three, four, five. I know I'm number four in this pecking order. Like, is it that specific? Or you just have a general sense of, I don't want to move down in the pecking order. I want to move up in the pecking order. You have a spidey sense of who the alpha is. And the alpha will establish themselves pretty quickly. I'm just talking about like uh -huh. in social settings. Yeah. The alpha will surface immediately how, almost. How does that happen? Like, just what does that look like? Confidence and, and taking the lion's share of the conversation mm -hmm. and everybody kind of, you know, looking at that person, regarding that person, um, chuckling at whatever they say. And it's just awkward and lame. <laughs> and I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it either. It sounds terrible. Yeah. But so, so there's an alpha and then is it there's the alpha and then the pack or is it there's the alpha and then there's the 
the toady who who's next in line and then all the way down to is there a clear I like the term toady. <laughs> yeah. I'm just there you go. thinking about a Christmas story and <laughs> you've got the bully and then right. you've got the toady and there's a little sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. Um is it is there any um, breakdown of the pecking order other than the alpha? Sometimes there's two alphas and they'll they'll kind of go at it in many different ways, you know, just kind of um yeah, but oftentimes there's a clear alpha, and uh, in a workplace, it's it's a manager or a director. They got to where they are because they are an alpha. They do speak up. You know, they yeah. are confident. Um, we know who they are, and um, unfortunately, that um, man. I just I was gonna kind of label them as as bullies. In that context, they're the bully, right? Because they have the power, and they say they say something untoward. And, um, yeah, if they're saying something negative. Right. Then, so to, yeah. to answer your question, if it was a peer, we would be more inclined to speak up and it might not be within that meeting, but we might take that person aside and say, not comfortable with that. Yeah. So that, that was the, the question I was getting at of whether it matters if it's the person at the top speaking or if, if there's a clear person at the bottom of the pecking order who says something, is there like a pack mode attack on that person of you said the wrong thing? Because no, there's more social pressure against the people lower on the pecking order if they say something inappropriate than people at the top. Yes. Um, but you said something that was interesting. The pack mentality. The reason why men don't speak up is because they're going at it alone. They feel like if nobody else is going to speak up, we kind of lie in wait and we know something is wrong and uh, we look at the woman, we refer to the woman and it's to, just to check to see if she's going to say anything. Like, how did that land, that comment mm -hmm. land? Mm -hmm. And is she going to say something? So there's that moment immediately afterwards where I think men just kind of pause and the, the air gets kind of sucked out of the room. You're like, oh God, <laughs> um, whether she says something or not. Uh, then sometimes it's, you feel like it's a little too late to be like, hold on, hold on, let's go back, you know, yeah, 30 right. seconds ago. Passes. I know we're talking about com something completely different, but let's like pause tape. And mm -hmm. then it's like spotlight and the spotlight's on you as an individual. And the problem is it's hard to go it alone. The solution to that, I think would be after the meeting to go to somebody up here who is in the meeting and just take them aside and privately say, I wasn't comfortable with how that went down. Do you have any thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. And if they concur and agree, I think it's important that, that men come together and say, next time that happens, because it's, it's probably going to be a recurring thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. But I'm thinking that if somebody, you know, a manager is saying something like that or something happens in a meeting, just to come together and say, if that were to ever happen again, we should both say something mm. just so we're not going it alone and men are more familiar with that then you become a pack and men are um very familiar with being in a pack there's safety in numbers mm -hmm. so that is fascinating um i love that suggestion because i think it's a real world suggestion mm -hmm. that people can take and actually implement and it reminds me of suggestions for uh women when they get uh, interrupted so or bro appropriation. So when a guy takes a, a woman's idea in a meeting and takes credit for it and runs with it, 
oftentimes it's hard for the woman to speak up and say, hey, that was my idea. You know, how does that land? Not well. Mm -hmm. But women would partner up and say, hey, if this happens to me in a meeting, will you speak up and bring the attention back to me? Mm -hmm. And when you have that partnership, like, right. you have someone who has your back. Yes. And I think that makes a big difference. And I like this because it, it reminds me of the bystander effect, which is uh, one of the reasons proffered for why people don't speak up in a group is mm -hmm. you expect someone else. Like, it's so obviously wrong. Someone's surely going to speak up. Exactly. And then, like you're saying, the moment passes and no one spoke up and, and right. now it's too late. You yes. don't want to bring attention back to it. And like we talked about uh, last time or two times ago, men are used to fighting their own battles. So they will... Um, defer to the woman and wait to see if she's going to say something. So that's really we don't interesting. Automatically that... interject and fight somebody's battles. And we've also talked about chivalry, and you know the, <laughs> we the about a lot of things, right? But the the man riding in on a horse and saying yeah. like I'll save the day. So there's a lot going on in that context. Yeah, I have so <laughs> many questions. Like that one concept of men in the room looking at the woman to wait to see if she speaks up. Yep. I think there's there's so much packed into that. Like, um, from the female perspective, I have been in that room many, many, many times. And I'm pretty vocal, typically. Those who work with me know that I will generally speak up about women's issues. And I try to do it with humor, but I do it a lot. I've had I've had dinner with you, and yeah, I'm I'm aware of when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but I would say that I only speak up about five percent of the time yeah. of what I see. You and, pick and choose your battles. Yeah, exactly. And because I don't want to be the whiny woman, I don't want to be. Oh, here we're going to have to hear any lecturers again about gender issues. I I don't want to speak up. Like in my ideal world. I don't have to speak up because someone's already said it and that someone might be male, might be female, but there's an awkwardness as the only female in the room or as a, you know the minority group in the room of speaking up when it looks like it's your issue. And you don't, as a woman, you don't want to be called out for being different. Like we're always trying to assimilate into the male norm I think we're better as we get older of, of not doing that, but but it's calling us out as different. And we're always different, especially in male-dominated workplaces. And mm -hmm. so we're reluctant to do it because it it's a career hit for us when we do. And when I see people look, I've had people look at me in the room when something like that happened, and I'm like, are you looking at me like just to see if I'm going to get upset? Are you looking at me because you want me to speak up? Are you looking at me like, oh, crap, here we go again? Um, I don't know what those looks are. And I, I would rather that men spoke up. But I think you, you raised a good point also on navigating that line for men. Like you don't want to be the hero. We're not looking for heroes. We're looking for allies. And where do you right. draw the line between hero and allies? Mm -hmm. I don't need someone to save me. I need someone to speak up and, and stop a culture that is male dominated and toxic. Mm -hmm. So I don't know like that moment for me that you identified of men kind of shifting their attention to the woman to see what's going to happen. I don't know how to change that or what men are expecting to happen or what men would want to happen in that moment. Do you want women to speak up all the time? Deep down, I do. I do. Why? 
because then you don't have to speak? No. In a perfect world, yes. I'm coming from a, like a, in a perfect world, mm -hmm. we can all say what we, what we mean. We all stand up for ourselves. We all stand up for yeah. ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the person who said it is reminded uh, over and over that what they're saying is wrong. And if we only say it 5% of the time, mm -hmm. that's almost enabling the person to continue to do it. Because the reason, part of the reason why they're doing it is that entitlement of, I, I, I'm, I'm a man, I'm powerful, I'm, I'm in control here. Uh, the other reason is I've gotten away with it so often mm -hmm. that I'm just going to continue to do it. Realistically, I know that's not possible for all the aforementioned reasons, but in a perfect world, yeah, you got to just continue to speak up because if not, that person is just going to continue to do it. And the byproduct of that is they're never going to learn. I have a question. You mentioned that you only speak up 5% of the time at work when something's said that um, you don't agree with. Where do you draw the line? I mean, you're somebody who is trained as an attorney to object like, <laughs> all the time. And it must drive you nuts that... Um, that you can't do that as much, and I understand why. Where's that line? Like, when do you choose to say something? Is there like a, a statute of limitations or like a term limit? Or um, like you said something yesterday, so you're not gonna say something today? Or is there something that, uh, like, you just, is there a little internal alarm that goes off? How you're that's, feeling that day? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, that's like, a lot of things. Yeah. That's a good question. You mentioned the, the attorney thing. I am perfectly happy speaking up for other people. I'm less happy speaking up for myself. Uh, even though I'm trained as a lawyer, I, I don't seek to speak up for myself as much. I also, I think part of the reason I don't speak up more is I grew up with brothers. I hung out with guys. I've always been the minority in the room from a gender perspective. And so I know a lot of what goes on in people's heads and I think I give men the benefit of the doubt more than I should more than other women do and so I also feel like men get annoyed when when I speak up too much and draw attention like you had mentioned draw attention away from the topic at hand so I try to look for opportunities where it can be constructive where I think it will be heard. There's one thing that's it's super minor, but I have seen come up over and over and over again, and it's a really tough habit to break, but it's when, when men talk about man hours, and I always say, man hours? <laughs> like, what, why are I talking about man hours? Why can't it just be hours? Like, why is it man hours? And I've learned that it's different than hours. It's like work hours or engineering hours or something like that. So there's a specific reason for there being a different term. But the fact that it's man hours, like when I hear that, and I'm sure other women feel this the same way, like you, it's just this instant blaring alarm of, really, did I just hear man hours? Is, am I, can I conduct a man hour? And really, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I've said this over and over again, and I don't say it anymore. When, when it does come up now, I've noticed that men do correct themselves in my presence and then kind of look at me. Ugh. <laughs> like a wink, um, like, see, I like, get it. Yeah, I'm good. But well, I mean, I, I think that's part of it. Like, to me, the, the 
the path towards gender equality and really any kind of equality is knowledge slash awareness and action slash speaking up. Um, and I don't want to have to be the one always educating men about gender issues, but if they don't know and I know, if I want things to change, then I have to. And so I make that calculus of, do I really want to educate right now or not? Um, is this going to distract from the meeting? And sometimes you're time bound, you know, you have so much time. And if I'm going to de derail the conversation for five minutes, I'm not going to do it. I'm not mm -hmm. going to bring it up. I will also pick my battles. If the people in the room are not people I think would be uh, open to a conversation or receive that comment in a constructive way, I'm not going to speak up. It's not worth my time. So there's a lot of reasons that I would not speak up. And I just think that there's fatigue too. Like I'm not going to beat someone over the head. I don't think that results in progress. I think it results in people getting annoyed and going the opposite direction. That's a lot to think about in a moment. Yeah, right. Whether to, to decide whether to speak up or not. And I have spoken up times when I wish I had not. Like, I did that calculus wrong. The times you don't speak up, are you pulled out of whatever you're talking about yeah. in the meeting? Like I'm how, irritated. There's, I'm there's, in my there's, head. A, there's a long tail to that, right? Yeah. Where you're not completely focused on the matter at hand, but you're kind of still processing what was said and trying to. Yeah, so an example of that is um, I was in a meeting once and. I had made a suggestion and conversation went on. No one picked up on the suggestion. And then another man in the room made the exact same suggestion. And suddenly it was this brilliant idea. And I had done a podcast on bro appropriation. Like I knew what was going on. And in the moment I was like, did that just happen? I, I, I can't believe this is happening. And I have this internal monologue of, um, am I going to speak up? What am I going to do? And, and the moment passed, right? And I didn't say anything. Meanwhile, I realized there was a whole conversation that I missed because I was in my head mm -hmm. trying to figure out if I was going to speak up, going through that mental calculus, being pissed off that this happened to me. And, and then you're pretty much useless for the rest useless. of the Useless, yeah. Meeting. I had to get my head back into the game. I had to try to pick up where uh, my mind had left off, but I missed a whole bunch of context. And then when you miss that, you don't want to, especially when you're the only woman in the room, say, oh, speak up later and then have everyone say, oh, we just talked about that. Yeah. Right. So you then I'm silent for the rest of the meeting, mm -hmm. not because I'm pissed, even though I am, but because I don't want to look stupid because I didn't pay attention in, during part of the meeting. So it's the snowball effect that happens. And you still have the motivation and feeling that you need to say something. So yeah. You know I, mean, I, mean? I, I advocate for this stuff all the time on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And so part of me in that meeting was thinking, what the hell just happened? Like, I know that this is a thing and I know it needs to be corrected. And I've given suggestions in a podcast how to correct it. And I'm not doing it. If I'm not doing it, how many other women are not doing it? Okay, so let's say I take your advice and I speak up all the time. And so I'm saying a lot more than I usually do. And I'm in some hypothetical workplace where it's largely men. When I'm not in the room, are the men annoyed with how much I speak up or do they talk about how annoying Annie is? She's always talking about these gender issues. And I'm asking about like 
typical men. I don't think you're typical. I think you have much more awareness and empathy for for gender issues and mm-hmm. gender equality. But if I'm in a, a like typical Silicon Valley workplace um, with a lot of tech bros, are they like is my reputation being ruined in a room I'm not in because I'm speaking up 90% of the time instead of 5% of the time. I'm sure those conversations happen. Yeah. This is how guys are, you know, like whatever's different or whatever's, um, stopping progress, you know, or diverting attention into something that's not related to the task. Mm-hmm. I think it's more related to that kind of like, can we just get this project done? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Why do we hear about? have to hear about the women issues, right? Yeah, and that's the unfortunate consequence of it all. So in terms of solutions, um, you offered a good one, which was to kind of have a buddy system behind the scenes of where you'll speak up together and have safety in numbers. I keep coming back to this concept of respect and bonding as key components of the man box. And and I wonder if there's a way to flip the script to instead of gaining the respect and bonding with other men um, through you know locker talk or all the, the bad behavior and not speaking up in the face of inappropriate comments, is there a way to shift it so that the modeled behavior is positive, like whether it's the alpha modeling the positive behavior and everyone else in the group is wanting to gain the respect of the alpha or bond with the alpha. And so they get the signal that the alpha wants positive behavior, not negative behavior. And so they shift into that mode. I feel like that's an ideal, but is it possible? Does that align with how the man box actually works? Yeah, I mean, the alpha sets the table and everybody pretty much knows the the do's and don'ts and the rules if the um the alpha we're talking about a work context mm-hmm. by the way just to mm-hmm. kind of remind everybody if the alpha or whoever's in charge uses foul language mm-hmm. everybody in the room's like oh okay we could say whatever we want mm-hmm. you know we could express ourselves as we do outside of work yeah. and it's not going to be looked down upon if it's a situation where it's buttoned up and there's no gender bias or things being said, um, it's less likely that the people uh, in the room are going to just come out and say it, but it's, it's top down. So how do we change the, the, from the, from the bottom up or, or top down? Like how do we, how do we get to the point where the leaders are encouraging the good behavior? Or is there a bottom-up solution? Can can the pack overtake the alpha with a different approach to, to gender equality? Um, how does it change? I think it's, it's changing slowly. Men are being called out. Women are being believed. Men are losing their positions of power. And that cuts to the very core of... of it cuts through the man box... Well, but I would argue maybe it doesn't, that the opposite is happening. Like when we look at what happened with um, Kavanaugh, for example. Yeah, not, I, yeah, so not always, but yeah. it is happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting time because I do, I, I, 
women are being believed sometimes, mm-hmm. not always. And I've, I've been surprised with the backlash of the Me Too movement and how men have become the victims mm-hmm. and, and how they portray things. Men fight back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's to be expected. I mean, that's, I, I knew they were going to do that. Because they're, they're feeling attacked. Like they're, their worldview of what it means to be a man is they're not going to admit it um even though they know they're wrong if they know they're wrong they're never going to admit it because they have too much to lose they've been fighting their entire life to get where they are they're good at fighting they're good at explaining things away denying things male denial men are how come every time we talk i get sad (laughs) you get sad for men no, I don't get sad for men. I get sad for women. You should be a little sad for men. I mean, we're kind of... Why should I be sad for you? Why should we, I be we, sad we for Because we weren't men? always like this. We weren't always like this. What? I know this isn't a, a therapy session, but... It's okay. It can be. I've been told uh, growing up, uh, you're so sensitive. You're so sensitive. Don't be so sensitive. Mm-hmm. My own mother, like, just... I think she didn't want to throw me to the wolves, right? She knew how the world operated, and in moments where... I was really feeling something, she would be like, okay, don't, she even told me, like, don't feel that way. Like, don't be so sensitive. You're so sensitive. You're so sensitive. And I wrestle with that. And for the last 25, 30 years, I've tried to, like, find that side of myself. Well, and you, you have shared that you struggle with this with your kids, too. Yes. Like, you have yes. two boys mm-hmm. who... Um, have emotions and as you see them go off to school and into the world Mm -hmm. they get challenged by bullies and how do you how do you help them retain their humanity and not fall into the man box um, constraints while still protecting themselves i have to fight the instinct because i my first instinct is to it's like that instinct that i that i have that i've gotten from my mom you know like don't be so sensitive and Mm -hmm. i just I've, those words have never come out of my mouth, but I, I want to protect them so much because I know how boys operate. I just know what boys deem as acceptable and unacceptable. If you cry in front of other boys, you are at the bottom of the barrel. So how do I do it with my boys? I have to acknowledge their feelings. I have to acknowledge their feelings making sure that they know that what they're feeling is okay and it's okay to be sad it's okay to be angry it's okay to express those things and there's boundaries to that because i mean i have a two young boys and the way they express their anger isn't always (laughs) how i'd like it to happen and just to listen that's the big thing i think that's where i was trying to arrive at listen to them i think my feelings were always cut off like nipped in the bud let them get it out. Mm-hmm. And just that simple act kind of frees them and they have a truer sense of who they are. And if you don't, if you don't express those feelings and get it out and process those feelings, you're going to grow up to be alone and isolated and not seek help. And that leads to a bunch of awful things for men. Yeah, which just kind of dovetails into the man box. Absolutely. It was really interesting to have that conversation with Sam and hear his perspective about what happens in a 
guy's head in a room where something improper was said, um, or generally the pressures that men are putting on each other. Because for me, I, I never really was aware of how that policing happened in the room. And all of the, I suspect, internal monologue that happens for all the men in the room about who has the power in the room and how do you stay in line with the pecking order, stay in line with the values of the person who is that alpha in the room. Research demonstrates that men, compared to women, are seen as more legitimate and credible when they confront sexist behavior, in part because as members of the out group, men are seen as acting in the absence of self-interest. And this is kind of along the lines of what Sam and I were talking about, that when a woman speaks up, it sounds like, you know, almost like she's selfish or she's whiny because it's her interest that she's protecting. And the irony of this is you've heard Sam talk a couple times in a couple episodes about men respecting and and expecting people to speak up to protect themselves and defend themselves. And yet when women do that, it's perceived differently. And so this almost creates a double bind or a double standard for women of if I speak up as men would expect other men to, it has a different result. It lands in a different way. And so it doesn't give us the same result. So I still agree with Sam that we need to fight more, but I do think that men need to appreciate that when women fight, it sounds different than when men fight, and especially when women are defending their own interests. So coming back to the article that David Smith and Brad Johnson wrote, they offer up some suggestions about how to get men more comfortable speaking up. They say, the fact is that men need more interaction with women, not less. Having men work alongside women as equals reduces prejudice and discrimination. Cross-gender mentoring programs and peer mentoring programs can inspire more positive male-female interactions within organizations. So can encouraging men to participate in employee research groups that were formed for women to share how their work experiences may differ from men's. As, as the minorities in these groups, men are in the perfect spot to listen to women, build empathy, and check their assumptions. I think this is a great suggestion. Those of you who have listened to this podcast for a long time probably have heard me say this many times, but I think the key to just about all of the gender issues that we encounter is to get to know each other better. The better we know each other, the harder it is to just sit in silence when someone we care about is mistreated in front of us. And listening to the experiences of people different from us is a great way to learn. I think there is a lot about the experiences that we have on a daily basis that we don't talk about because it's embarrassing, it's frustrating, it happens all the time, we get tired of talking about it, we don't get believed. The things that we experience on a daily basis are pretty surprising for a lot of men who don't even have to think about the kinds of things that women think about. So educating men about this is is great. It helps them to identify when bias um, rears its ugly head. But it seems to me that the toughest spaces for men to wrestle out of the man box restrictions and speak up is in all male groups. I was encouraged, though, by a story in an article by Jim Walsh entitled Silence is Violence. A Call to Men conference encourages men to speak out against sexist behavior. 
He shares a great story of John Choi, who spoke up in a group of guys. And uh, Mr. Choi says, I play hockey, and after the games, we always go out for a beer. Just a bunch of guys eating chicken wings and watching football or whatever's on TV. And then there's always this one particular guy who's commenting on the waitress. He's married, etc., and it just starts bugging you a little bit. And you're just, I wish he'd stop saying that. And he doesn't stop saying that. And one day, I just said something to interrupt it. I can't even remember what it was. I said something like, she's only half your age. To interrupt something like that is the approach, right? And yeah, the whole table kind of went silent. After a while, it just got grating. Like, I don't want to hear this anymore. For men, it's that easy, stepping outside of that. Our culture is to not do that. Our social structures and the ways we've been raised, you're supposed to laugh at that, right? We're allowed to have this. And so what you're doing is stepping outside and saying, enough already. So that's the hard part. That wasn't an easy thing. Even though who I am, I advocate on these kinds of issues. But you're also in a different social environment. So you're thinking, I don't want to be a jerk about this in a Minnesota way. But then after a while, it just becomes, this is really bad. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. But it takes a little bit of courage to say, hey, knock it off. I thought this was a fascinating window into men's minds in the moment of whether to speak up and the impact it will have if they do. And it shows how very strongly the man box binds men, even really well-intentioned men. The article continues, even with the president's comments or men who make comments like that, if we start steering the boat this way, they'll come along because they'll want our respect, the respect of other men. So if we can redefine manhood by not saying things like that, then they'll stop saying them. But we say them because that's one of the ways we bond with men at the expense of women. So I read this and it was like, this is the key. This is everything. This is what we need to make a difference in the man box. Respect and bonding. These are two positive outcomes that come out of following the man code. Sam talked about this as well, that that you're looking for the respect of the alpha in the room. You're looking to bond with the alpha in the room. So perhaps these are the keys. If the men who already have that respect, so the alphas in the room, the powerful men, can lead other men to a better, more healthy approach to masculinity, then bonding might be able to happen as a result of more positive events and comments. And women can share in this benefit with more men feeling comfortable to or responsible to speak up in the face of gender bias or harassment. So that gives me some hope. And I open this episode with the words of Terry Crews about speaking up in the face of bias. He's been a huge advocate for women as well as men in the Me Too movement. And uh, I thought it would be nice to close with a list of men who are in powerful positions, who are advocating against gender bias or advocating for women or are very vocal feminists because these are the examples. These are the men who could drive change if other men modeled their behavior after them. So this comes from a globalcitizen.org list. In addition to Terry Crews, the other men on the list are Harry Belafonte, John Legend, Ashton Kutcher, David Schwimmer, Mark Ruffalo, Justin Baldoni, Seth Rogen, Anthony Bourdain, Channing Tatum, and Ryan Gosling. 
So thanks to all of you for standing up for women and leading by example. We need more strong men like this. And hey, being strong is aligned with the man box, so you don't even need to venture that far out of the man box to speak up. This week, who will you speak up for? That's it for this week. I welcome your thoughts at unravelingpink at gmail.com or on Twitter at unravelingpink. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with a new topic.